what's to be taken from Ready Player One? Ready Player One is uh, Steven Spielberg's latest film. He directed it, and it's based on um, a 2011 novel by Ernest Cline, also called Ready Player One. And this is a, it's an interesting film, uh, and uh, there's a lot you could say about it. There's many angles you could come at it from, and uh, many conversations are happening around it, which are well worth checking out. I'm going to focus in on my particular area of expertise, which relates a bit more to the technology involved in it and how we engage in experiences. That's my, my research background and my particular interest. It's interesting because a lot of the technology that's uh, featured in the film, and it was interesting to watch the film rather than just look at the book because, uh, of course, they had to figure a lot of this stuff out when you're showing something on a the screen. There's a lot of decisions that, that they need to be made. And uh, they didn't quite show as much of the technology as I would have liked, uh, given that I research in this area. There's a few things I was curious about how they would solve, and they, they kind of cut away when I didn't want them to. But, but generally speaking, for the most part, the technology featured in it exists today. We, we have it. So it's interesting from that perspective because it's a little bit of a thought experiment of what might happen uh, as time goes by. And those types of thought experiments are, are always interesting. Whether we like what we see on screen or whether we don't, it can be very useful to be aware of that and it can be a good conversation starter one way or the other. Now, when I say the technology it exists, of course, it exists in the film in a substantially uh, more developed form than we have it today. But the basic principles, uh, virtual reality, headsets, head-mounted displays that we can uh, strap around our face and be in an immersive environment. The, uh, the treadmills they have as well, omnidirectional treadmills, which allow us to, to, to walk around and move. These are things that exist in one form or the other. The headsets are probably doing a bit better at the moment than the treadmills are, but hey, give them time. They're, they're getting there. There's certainly some good work happening on it. Uh, and haptics as well, which is our ability to, to feel the sensations of uh, our interaction with the world. So we're not just looking at pictures and we're not just hearing sounds, but we're interacting in a more visceral way with the experiences that are, are happening uh, in, in the simulation. So this exists and we, we've got this technology uh, and really every year it's substantially getting better. So it is interesting to meditate a little bit on where it's going to go and what our uses of it are going to be. So just to pick up on, on, on a couple of topics, the first one is immersion, and, and this is the obvious one in a sense, because we get lost in this technology, and that's clearly one of the concerns that comes up, and I won't give away any spoilers, but obviously getting drawn in to a big simulation, it's called the Oasis in the film, and it's really a world in which people for the most part are doing with virtual reality what we already do today with our smartphones, <laughs> which is kind of getting lost in social media and getting caught up in um, one story or another. And they're, they're doing it in full virtual reality in the future. And the danger there is, are we getting too caught up in it? Are we kind of getting lost in it? So the social media example is an interesting one because although the film is uh, showing virtual reality, uh, virtual reality is really anything that's abstracting us away from the present moment. So social media as we have it today is a form of virtual reality. It's real as in it's there in front of us, but it's virtual as in it's a picture of a person rather than the person in front of us. It's um, something they wrote rather than them actually speaking to us. 
So in that sense, we already have this. And I think one of the, the most important things I would encourage when thinking about the film or, or points around it is, let's not think that, oh, this will happen at some point in the future. Already we've got the technology, but more importantly, we're kind of on a gradient where there's going to be more and more and more of this type of media experience in our life. So the time to be thinking about it is right now, preferably yesterday, rather than waiting a few decades from now and then trying to figure it out as it happens. So the ways in which we engage with social media. But not just social media. Of course, we've got television uh, and we've got, uh, we've got radio. We've got the music we listen to. And we've had books for quite some time too. Books are virtual reality devices. They may show us less visually, but nonetheless, they still are something that leads us to, uh, to, to simulate a reality in one shape or form. So we could be worried about books. We could be worried about social media. We could be worried about virtual reality. Uh, or we could just be mindful uh, of what these things are and how we could get lost in them if we're not careful. So the capacity to, I suppose, stop the simulation and to step out of it is really what's important here. Social media does not need to be a negative thing. It can really help us connect with each other in a very positive way. But if it becomes a kind of a substitute for reality uh, in a deeper sense, then that can be problematic if it's not giving us everything we need. And even in Ready Player One, they need to stop to eat. You know, they, 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 they don't eat or sleep within the simulation. So that itself is telling. That's suggesting that, look, there's more to us than the, the simulation or the story that we're telling ourselves. And equally the same with social media. We need to maybe put the phone down to eat, but maybe we don't. Maybe we use the phone at the same time. So maybe there's some learning there to kind of step back from it and have a bit of breathing space. That can be very important. To extend that, though, a little bit further, thoughts are also a form of virtual reality. <laughs> because often we're in a kind of a self-hypnosis. You know, if somebody let's say he was in a bus with you and they were wearing a virtual reality headset and they were looking around and they were exploring another world. Probably in five years, ten years, we won't think that's much of anything. But if we were to see today, we might go, oh, well, you know, that person's really in another world, they're really disconnected. But is that really any different than everybody around us on, a, on their smartphones? And is that in turn really any different than somebody just lost in thought, not seeing people coming or going around them? These are all different forms of virtualization, of simulations that we're running, sometimes with the help of technology and sometimes without the help of technology, but either way, we can get lost in these narratives. So, of course, if there are positive and empowering narratives, they can be helpful, but even then, we still probably want to be inspired by those narratives and then leave the simulation, take off the VR headset, put down the smartphone, stop thinking for just a moment, and connect back to the, the, the more visceral world around us uh, and to engage in that. So it's a kind of a universal theme regardless of what generation that we live in or what technology we have access to. As a bit of an extension of that, uh, avatars uh, are uh, featured. So an avatar is a kind of a digital version of ourself. Now, sometimes avatars look a lot like us. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes in social media, our avatar can be a picture of us. But even that picture of us, unless you're an incredibly unself-aware person, will typically be one of our better pictures rather than our worst ones. You know, even if we snap a picture, we'll probably snap more than one, and we think I'll go with that one. That represents kind of a version of me that I'm happy with. So 
you can see it's not as simple as, you know, do I have a kind of a dinosaur character or do I have a picture of my face? Really, at all points, we are to some degree creating a story, creating a fiction. Now, it may be based on a true story, but nonetheless, we're presenting a certain aspect of us. And we have to do that. I mean, what else can we do? It's part of what communication is. But the problem sometimes is we can get so caught up in it that that avatar becomes more real than us. So what happens in real life matters less. And we're really invested in these virtual worlds. And this is really a self-concept that we're building. Now, again, whether you're using it on technology, whether it's virtual reality or whether it's gaming or whether it's a social media profile, we all have self-concepts. If you're a bit of a purist and you say, oh, well, this isn't for me. I don't like this digital stuff. I like to just live my life in the real world. Yeah, well, typically we're walking around the real world with a notion of who we are, a concept that we're trying to protect. And we don't like things that disagree with us. And very often we'll kind of superimpose our idea of who we are onto the moment that we're in. And that can be good sometimes, it can be kind of empowering, but sometimes it isn't. Because sometimes, because our self-concept seems to be a little bit better than we are at something, we feel we have to compete with ourselves, and that puts us under pressure, and that makes it kind of harder for us to do the thing that we're trying to do. So we feel like we've got a lot on the line, a lot to try and protect, which can make us wary. So that idea of avatars and self-concepts is a kind of an important one. And I think really what we want there is to recognize that, look, inevitably to speak or to put up a social media profile or to go into full virtual reality and to embody an avatar is to make certain decisions about what we're presenting. But we want to kind of hit the balance, I think, where we're vulnerable enough to, to be real and honest. But of course, we don't need to expose every aspect of ourselves either. But some degree of keeping it tied to reality can be very, very helpful. Now, avatars also can be useful, of course, to help us explore aspects of ourself, because sometimes it can be the reverse. Sometimes there's a deep aspect of who we are that we don't really get to explore and to meet in uh, in day-to-day -day life. So an avatar allows us to explore that and get to know that a bit better and maybe bring some learning back into real life in inverted commas. So that can be useful, too. So. You know, it can be very useful, but the point is we do need to approach it mindfully and not make the mistake of just getting lost in the avatar of kind of neglecting our underlying identity and just believing the social media page because that has enough likes, therefore I must be good. There's a little bit more going on. You underneath the scene need to be nourished and you do not need to be validated by likes or by credits or by how your avatar is appreciated in order to be valuable as a person. So that underlying sense of self-worth and wellness, I think we want that to be a priori, that to be there beforehand. And then by all means, let's express that in the form of different avatars or communicate digitally in different ways. But it has to be something that's an expression of who we are rather than just a way of trying to make us who we feel uh, we need to be. So equilibration is a helpful word, a word I've used many times uh, on this topic, but a very helpful one to keep remembering. So what equilibration essentially means, this is a word used by Jean Piaget, the developmental psychologist, is this nice balancing between reality and imagination. So in principle, we could live in a world that's a bit too concrete. And what I mean by that is, we're not imagining enough. It may actually be that some people would say, you know, you're not spending enough time in virtual reality. You need to go on social media more. You need to play games more. You need to, if you want to, of course, read books more, 
expand your imagination because that could be the best thing in the world for us sometimes that we can really stretch our imagination and what we can then do with that is bring that inspiration the ability to think differently to see from different perspectives to understand other people's worldviews to see that there's different ways of trying things that we can take that and we can bring it back into our day-to-day life and that little imagination vacation could be a very useful journey because it's going to really enrich us like coming back from a good holiday but of course the reverse may apply as well if we're spending too much time in the virtual world whether that's thoughts whether it's virtual reality or whether it's anything else we may need to snap out of that to some degree and realize that it's pretty good here in the real world in inverted commas as well and uh, particularly with uh, the level of of technology and development there's a lot more enrichment and nourishment in the here and the now and grounding that is only a good thing because it means then that when we creatively engage in those technologies again we're kind of entering them as a whole person to begin with which means we can utilize them and gain an awful lot more from them.